Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Today, we're going to talk about continue to talk about the heart of the Father. And we've seen that the heart of the Father toward us is good. There's an invitation in Psalm 34 to taste and see that the Lord is good. And He reveals His goodness toward us for being our shepherd, Jehovah Raha, for being our healer, Jehovah Rapha. He is our peace, Jehovah Shalom, our wholeness. He's our completeness. He is our provider, Jehovah Jireh. He is our banner, I hope, that you have let him put a banner over you. I've had several people say they have a new banner. I'd love to know what it is. You can email me if it's nice. I don't want to hear from you if it's not because I'll delete it. But it's sross at summitsa.com. I do read my emails. And I would love to hear your testimony. I have people pass me, oh, this was just life-changing. Well, I want to hear how it was life-changing. And so you can, or you can use my personal email if you have it. I am not going to give that out on live stream. And um, so anyway, and then of course he is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is present. That is the heart of the Father. Now in, I love, 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 love the way the Amplified Classic translate this in Ephesians 2, 6, and 7. He raised us up together with Christ. He made us sit down, giving us joint seating with Christ in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus. When we come back in the fall, I'm going to talk a lot about what it means to be in Christ. Because if we know we are in Him, our whole life will change. I was telling a friend the other day, I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if we would walk in what I'm going to talk about today, Healing would be just an automatic. I really believe that. Verse 7 says, he did this, did what? He raised us up and gave us joint seating with Christ in the heavenly realm. And here's why. He did this that he might clearly demonstrate. What does it mean? What does clearly demonstrate mean? It means there's no doubt about it. I can see it. It's clear as transparent as can be. Clear as brand new glass. That he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace in his, listen, kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. See, it says right there, he has a good heart toward us. And all the revelation of the Father, the good heart of the Father, is fulfilled in Jesus. We see him in the new covenant. He's our healer. He's our shepherd. He's our provider, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 8. He's our provider. He is our peace. The Bible clearly says, and he is our peace. And that Greek word is irene. And it means oneness, much like shalom, wholeness. He himself is our peace. He is our banner in the Song of Solomon, which is a picture. There are many interpretations, but one of them is it's a picture of the bride and Christ, the bride of Christ and Christ. And she says, he has brought me into his banqueting hall and his banner over me is what? Love. love. And what do we see in the new covenant? God is love. He is Jehovah Shammah, the present one, the God who is there. What, what does the new covenant say? He will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. A lot of times I'll go through the promises of God and I write Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus the same today. You can't divorce who he was from who he is and forevermore will be. And so today we're going to talk about the final Jehovah that we're looking at. And that is Jehovah Sidkenu, which is the Lord, our, our righteousness, Jehovah 23, 6, or excuse me, Jeremiah 23, 6, first mention. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely 
and this is his name by which he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. So the first time we see the Lord our righteousness mentioned is in Jeremiah 23, 6. And it follows that thread throughout scripture. But before we actually get into the Lord our righteousness, excuse me, I forgot, I always drink before I speak, and I mean water. And so I need some water. Thank you, Lewis. Before we actually get into the actual righteousness of God, and, and what I want to say to you about that before we continue is this. I could spend hours and weeks talking about being made right with God through Jesus Christ, and we don't have that kind of time today. But there are many, many, many scriptures I gave you in the book if you were able to get one. And if you weren't, grab some bodies and make copies. I don't care. We're not going to reprint it. And so make copies because you are going to want to have the scriptures. It will take a lifetime a lifetime for you to engraft and comprehend that you and me, if Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we have been made right with God. That's what righteousness means. Now, have you ever had a relationship, tell me the truth, I want you to raise your hand, where you come to somebody and you go, is everything okay between us? Ever do that? Is everything okay? And don't you feel good when the other person says, yes, everything's right? Well, that's what it's like. The father goes, yes, everything's okay. But not because you earned it. The Lord, our shepherd, Jehovah Raha, in Psalm 23, 3 says, he leads me in the path of what? Righteousness, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. So we are right with God. Everything's okay between you and me, father, because of Jesus, not because of my works. But you won't lose your right standing with God if you've given your heart to Christ. If you've made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you won't lose your right standing with God. But, 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 you can break fellowship with him. 1 John 1 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if, 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 if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So you can break fellowship. You can't lose your right standing with God. You don't have to walk in your right standing with God. I mean, that, un that shame filter, that unworthy filter can certainly keep you from walking in the victory and power of your right standing with God. But you can break fellowship. And so I wasn't expecting this to do this today. But I always endeavor to be obedient to my teacher, the Holy Spirit. And so he asked me to, to talk to you for a minute about forgiveness. And I'm going to read a testimony to you, not my own. Most of you know my own testimony, how Matthew 18 changed my life. When I read the story of the king who represents Father God, who went to settle a $20 million equivalent debt with the servant. And the servant said, be begged him. Give me time, I'll pay it all. And the Bible says the father's heart or the king's heart was moved with compassion. And so he canceled the debt. That's what forgiveness means. I canceled the debt. You owe me nothing. That same servant goes out, chokes a guy that owes him an equivalent of $20. An equivalent of $20. And he says, pay what you owe. That's what unforgiveness always says. It's always collecting a debt. Pay what you owe. Not usually from the person that wronged you and so he would not he was unwilling to forgive someone who owed him a small debt even though the one father forgave a, an unpayable debt most of us I don't care how rich you are now this is back 2000 more than 2000 years ago friends it was an equivalent of a 20 million dollar debt or maybe it might not have been that much. I don't remember. Maybe it was $3 million. But let's fast forward to 2023. How many millions do you think that would have been? I can't even begin to calculate that. But you know, but you know what? I don't think most of us could pay a debt that much. If any of us. I mean, maybe if you're Elon Musk. But I bet you he would blink at paying it. I mean, that's a lot of money. 
millions and millions and maybe, maybe even what comes after a million? Billion. So I want to talk to you, and you know my own testimony was that I had unforgiveness toward my dad before he was saved, and um, I didn't realize it, but I was collecting a debt from my children. And I'll tell you what, when I read Matthew 18 and heard a teaching on it, I changed. I canceled that debt. And had I not, I would have missed out. Let's see, I was 30, uh, when that happened, 30, 30 or 31 years old. So I would have missed out. I was, oh my goodness, okay, math is not my strength. So 2013, if I was, so from 1985 to 2013, however many years that is, I would have missed out on some glorious years with my, my dad, who was absolutely one of my dearest friends. So, how many? 28 years. So, I, I got this book. It was sent to me in the mail. I didn't order it. And I didn't even really know who this was. I imagine I'd heard her name, Mandisa. Everybody know who that is? Okay, well. <laughs> anyway, so she apparently was the ninth. She was in the top ten. I think she was ninth on American Idol in 2003. And so, this whole book is her testimony. And I was just going to give it away. I wasn't going to read it. But one morning, the Holy Spirit said, no, I have something for you in it. And I want to read part of her testimony on forgiveness to you, okay? And I'll skip some of it because it's lengthy, but I think you're going to enjoy it. Everybody know what Hollywood Week is? No. Well, it's when you make the first cut and they go, you're going to Hollywood. And then they have to jump up and down and act like hyenas and kangaroos. And, and I personally know somebody who actually went to Hollywood Week. And I've heard what the producers make you do, okay? Just so you know, if you don't run out screaming, they make you run back in, come back out again. And, you know, so I got to hear the whole thing. It's pretty interesting. But, you know, this is television. The reality shows are not real. You do know that. Okay. After Hollywood week, we all went home and back to our regular lives. That was one of the strangest Christmas seasons ever. As I celebrated the birth of my Savior, obviously she was a believer. Like Mary, I was treasuring something in my heart, the fact that I had been chosen. I knew there was no guarantee I would sing in the semifinals. Over the next month, the judges would review our performances and cut the remaining idol contestants down from 44 to 24, 12 men, 12 women. But even if I didn't make the cut, I had so much to celebrate. I believe God had truly used me to be a light on the show and to my fellow contestants. Not only that, but the judges liked me and they respected my talent. Leading up to the premiere of American Idol season five, commercials revealed that Chicago would be featured on the first episode. Oh, season, season five, okay. One such advertisement showed me bursting through the door, screaming and waving my golden ticket to Hollywood. The cat was officially out of the bag. So on January 16, 2006, my friends Chance and Jennifer Scroggins hosted an American Idol premiere party. When I showed up to their house, I was touched to see that they wore custom-made T-shirts proclaiming, Mandisa is my American Idol. All hail the diva. With more than 20 of my friends in attendance, my heart was full of anticipation to share my idol success with them. They pe prepped me, they pre peppered me with questions about what happened behind the scenes. What was Ryan Seacrest really like? Was there anyone I felt sure would make it far? Was there any drama between other contestants? Chance set me down, and he set the show to record while we enjoyed some snacks, and I shared as many stories as I could. We planned to start watching a little late so we could fast forward through the commercials. Finally, it was time to watch. We laughed at the ridiculous auditions, and we talked excitedly about the showstoppers, pausing the TiVo while I shared insight about fellow contestants and audition moments. I could not wait for them to watch my audition, where even Grouchy Simon had given me kudos. Before my audition played, the phone rang. Chance took the call in another room, and soon he returned and he beckoned me to come over. I could see the concern in his eyes. He lowered his voice as he told me that Travis was watching the show in real time. After you left the room, Simon made rude comments about your weight, he said. My mouth went dry. I felt the blood drain from my face. 
This was my worst nightmare and unexpected because of the kind things Simon had said in the room. Not only was it happening in front of 30 million TV viewers, but it was about to be broadcast in front of some of my closest friends. Despite the dread I felt at the thought of my friends witnessing my public humiliation, I decided to stay. Excited squeals rang out as my face appeared on the screen, and then a hush fell over the room. This was the moment we had all been waiting for, for knowing what was coming dampened the thrill of the moment for me. My friends cheered as I sang my song and the judges offered their compliments. They watched as I danced out of that audition room in excitement. And then the camera zoomed back to the judges table and Simon uttered one of his famous digs. Do we have a bigger stage this year? He asked, referring to my size. Paul, Paula gave him a backhanded slap and told him she thought I had a Frenchie thing going on referring to former contestant Frenchie Davis's powerful voice. Forget Frenchie, he quipped. She's like France. My friends went silent. All eyes turned to me. I shrank under their pitying gaze. It's okay, I said. I'm okay, but I wasn't, and they knew it. Sometimes community can be uncomfortable. I consider myself an ambivert, a combination of an introvert and an extrovert. There are times when I'm energized by being with people and times when my tank is filled by time alone. In that moment, I long for the latter. When I experience pain, I like to retreat. I isolate and I eat until I am numb. In this case, I had to feel the pain, real time, under the compassionate gaze of my friends. It felt terribly uncomfortable. Simon's a jerk, one of them said. Another swooped in to give me a hug. I accepted their kind words, but inwardly I longed to run away and hide. When the show was over, my girlfriends took me aside to pray for me. They prayed for God's closeness to be felt by my broken heart. They asked for Jesus to have mercy on Simon and to somehow use this to draw him to salvation. And finally, they prayed for God to help me forgive Simon so that bitterness wouldn't take root in my heart. The Holy Spirit spoke through my friend's intercession, reminding me that our pains here are not earthly battles. Ephesians 6.12 puts it clearly, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Over the next few days, I prayed that God would give me a forgiving spirit towards Simon. Though Simon's words had wounded me and poked at a sore spot in my heart, the real enemy was Satan, and his intention was to take me down and make me useless to the Lord's service. The pain of that man's words, the insecurity they ignited, washed over me again and again. I cried over them. And a few days before I would return to California to find out if I would continue in the competition, the Lord led me to the book of Joshua during my personal time. And he reminded me that this journey wasn't about me or my flaws or my insecurities. He had chosen me and wanted me to speak through me. And at that moment, I had no idea all that would entail. But a few days later, I would get my chance to represent Jesus to my biggest audience yet. On January 23rd, I flew back to Hollywood for the semifinals. I had felt led to fast and pray for three days leading up to seeing Simon again. My friends were praying for me that I would be able to forgive him and that God would give me the words to say. And the next time I saw Simon, I would also find out if I made it to the top 24. At the hotel, the contestants who had made it through Hollywood Week assembled in a large room. Ken and Nigel got on stage to explain what would happen next. One at a time, we would ride the elevator upstairs and we would walk the hallway to the judges' room. They encouraged us to not hold back our reactions about the premiere. Drama makes good television and they wanted a lot of it. Nigel looked directly at me and he said, if Simon was a jerk, tell him off. We want a reaction. I had some things to say to Simon, all right, but I don't think that's what the producers were expecting. And then she tells the story of Matthew 18 that I just shared with you. And I won't read it all, where the king came to settle accounts and put the guy that wouldn't forgive in a prison of torment with his whole family and all he possessed until he canceled the debt. You can read that, and I encourage you to do so. Mandisa said, I've come to realize that forgiveness isn't really about me or the person who hurt me. It's about accepting the mercy of the Father and paying it forward. It's about understanding the weight of the debt I owed before Jesus took my place. Because of him, I can stand faultless before my Father in heaven. 
I have been handed the best day ever, every single day. As I sat on the bench waiting to walk, what we contestants jokingly called the Green Mile, the walk to the judge's room that could potentially be our last, Nigel once again came to me to ensure I knew what he was looking for. You heard the comments Simon said about you, right? When you get in there, we've instructed the judges to let you say whatever you want to say first. We can edit out anything that is not appropriate for family TV hour. I raised an eyebrow. Don't worry, I've got some choice words for Simon. I thought of the speech I'd practiced inside my head dozens of times. Before my turn came, seven people went up and seven came down with sad faces and tears. They'd been cut. I could not believe it. Some of the strongest singers had not advanced. Ryan announced the next to walk the mile would be Catherine McPhee. With dark hair and eyes, Kat was not only stunningly beautiful, she also possessed a soulful, smooth-as-butter voice, so it was no surprise that she did make the cut. Ryan told me I was up next, and I walked into the large room where the judges sat, and the only sound was my boots clicking loudly on the hardwood floor. I sat down on a tiny chair opposite the judge's table, and I made a joke about how they didn't need a bigger stage, but I, I could have gotten a bigger chair. The judges laughed and seemed appreciative that I'd broken the ice. I took a deep breath, and I looked at Simon, square in the eyes. Simon, a lot of people want me to say a lot of things to you, I began. But this is what? This is so good. I want to say to you, yes. You hurt me, and I cried. It was painful. Now, in Matthew 18, the king went to settle the accounts. It's okay for you to settle accounts. It really was painful. I paused. Every eye in the room was focused on me. Every eye, every, every ear listened to hear what I would say. Maybe they expected a barrage of expletives while wagging my finger and rolling my neck. I was certain they didn't expect what I said next. Simon, I want you to know that I have forgiven you. You don't need someone to apologize in order to forgive them. I figured if Jesus could die so that all my wrongs could be forgiven, I can certainly extend that same grace to you, Simon. And I just wanted you to know that. As I said the words, I felt a weight lift off my heart. Amen, Randy exclaimed. Simon looked furtively from the producers behind me to my face and back again in shock. And then he spoke, Mandisa, I'm humbled, come here. He stood from the table, walked over, and he gave me a hug. I now felt one millimeter small, he said, returning to a seat. So I suppose I'll carry on. He looked down at his notes before continuing. I'm sorry to tell you, he began, but you are going to have to go through this again because you're going to the next round. I screamed. I leaped up from my chair thanking the judges. I hugged Randy and he said, I liked your speech. You said the right thing to us. And he turned to Simon. Apologize, Simon. As I spun around to leave the room, still dancing with excitement, I heard Simon utter words I never expected to hear. I do apologize. I walked out of that door feeling the freedom that comes from forgiveness. God had put me in that tiny hot seat to share his good news with Simon. And 30 million viewers saw it. Through my friend's prayers and my small act of obedience, the Lord had done amazing things. Who would like to have this book? I'm going to give it away. Who wants it? So I started there because you will never lose your right leave lose your right standing with God if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. But you can break fellowship. And unforgiveness is one of the greatest ways to do that. I've led people in the Lord's Prayer and I watched utter heathens say the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, Father, forgive me in the same way that I forgive others. So I just wanted to encourage you today again. This, I had no intention of sharing this, but I want to obey the Lord. So 
when you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, a great exchange takes place. I'm going to demonstrate that for you today. And I'm going to fine-tune this message, as I said earlier, because we'd be here all day if I gave you all the scriptures. But I do hope you'll either photocopy somebody else's book or that you will read over and over the scriptures. Because the only way, listen to me, the only way to get out of a shame, condemnation, accuser mentality is to know that you are right with God. And many of you have walked in since I started, but I started by saying, I'm sure all of us at one time or another have asked somebody that is dear to us, is everything okay between you and me? And because of Jesus, the Father says, everything's good. Everything's okay between you and me. I've made you right with me through Jesus Christ. That's all righteousness means. It doesn't mean you glow in the dark. It doesn't mean you've never committed a sin. It doesn't mean you've never gotten mad at anybody, said something bad to somebody, collected a debt, been immoral. I mean, you can go down the list. Doesn't mean those things. It means I am right with God because of the blood of Jesus. Period. He's taken our filthy rags and given us his garments, his robes of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says it all. Therefore, if any man is engrafted in Christ, he is a new creation. The old condition has passed away. The fresh in you has come. Now, all of you know that on February 11th of 2023, my sister departed this earth and went to heaven. She has passed away from earth. No amount of prayer. I could go dig up her coffin, open that coffin, plead the blood, command her to rise from the dead. It's not going to happen. She's passed away. This is how the Lord wants us to see the old ways. Those old ways of rejection, those old ways of shame, those old ways of fear, those old ways of anxiety and worry, those old ways, whatever they are, of habitual lying, of trying to make yourself good enough, of confusion, depression, discouragement, dismay, disorder, disruption, disruption, destruction. The Bible says that's passed away. And new things have come. Don't you think if we really believed that and walked in it, we would have a really, really good life? I do. Be, but all things, verse 18, are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into his favor, brought us into harmony with him, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Oh, this is a biggie. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. That's the message of forgiveness. And committed to us the message to give out of reconciliation. Here we go. For our sake, well, then he gives an, entreat, an entreaty. We beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered to you. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. That we, in and through Jesus, might become endued with, viewed as being an examples of the righteousness of God. Here you go. What we ought to be approved, acceptable, and in right relation with God by his goodness. That is the heart of the Father, the Lord, our righteousness. I am viewed in, I'm an example of the right standing with God through Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, who knew no sin, he never sinned. He took all my filth on himself, on the cross. He took all my disease at the whipping post. He took all my poverty 
with the crown of thorns. Remember in the garden, God cursed the ground because of man, because of sin. And when the blood from the thorns of the cursed ground, because he said instead now the ground is going to bring forth thorns. I don't know about you, and I say this all the time. I'm saying it again. I mean, I just keep telling Randy, we need to pull out the whole yard and paint it green. I'm tired of it. I mean, what yard can withstand? Heat index says it's 117. But the truth, the truth is that I am right with God because of Jesus. And he, when the crown, the thorns hit the ground, my works were redeemed. I don't have to pull out all my landscape. But guess what lives through all this intense heat? And guess what lived through the intense cold we had for three whole days in the winter? The weeds. Isn't that amazing? So can I get my ladies to come up here, please? So I'm just going to do a little demonstration. Girls, just come stand right up here with me. Okay, Heidi, you are going to be a sinner. Okay? Okay, can you put this on? And Ellen, you are Jesus. Okay, okay. So she is a filthy, you don't have to button it, you are, she's a filthy sinner. She's clothed in darkness. There's no light in her. And one day she says, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Take my life and do something with it. Fulfill your purpose for me. At that very moment, this is what happens. An exchange takes place. At that very moment, that's all she had to do. He takes off that filthy garment and he robes her with his righteousness. And now she's clean. She is in right standing with God because of the blood of Jesus. Not because of her works. He leads us in paths of righteousness, not for our earning it, but for his name's sake. And so now she's clean and white and pure and clothed in linen. She doesn't wear this anymore. No. All things, guess what? They're passed away. Don't dig it up. There you go. Thank you, dear. Thank you, girls. So, you have to see yourself wearing those robes of righteousness. I love the illustration. Of course, my very favorite Bible character is the woman with the issue of blood. I relate to her more than I relate to any other person in the Bible. And you know, it's really, 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 really so cool. If she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, which was really the tallit, the, the tassel on the prayer shawl. If I can just touch it, I will be made whole. But in the new covenant, we don't have to touch the garment. We wear the garment. I'm now wearing the garment. I hear believers go, oh, I just want to touch the garment. No, you don't. You're already wearing it. He's clothed me with garments of salvation. He's wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. I'm just, I am begging you. Ask the Lord to make this an experience for you. Because I'm telling you, it's a very, 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 very long road from here to here. And I was indoctrinated in religion for 20 years. That means... My self-image and my self-worth was embedded in my neural pathways by the time I was 20 years old, and so was yours. And I had this, will you do something wrong? God's mad at you. I, I had that, and I still, I still have to practice taking off that mindset. And I bet most of you do too. Because here's the deal. It's never about what I've done right. It's about what he did right. If it's about what you did right, it becomes your worth 
your goodness, your works. Your works will never earn you right standing with God. I don't care how good you are. I was sharing the testimony, and I, most of you have heard it many times. In fact, the article, the whole story is getting ready to come out in a very famous magazine. And I will tell you when it does. I can't tell you now. But the story of my extremely dear friend who was abducted by a rapist serial killer who had murdered and raped over 20 women. And he kidnapped her. And after a 10-hour siege in the car with him, he threw his hands in the air and he said, Jesus, forgive me for all the bad things I've done. And he began to uncontrollably weep. We're actually going to deal with more than this next week. You don't want to miss next week. I'm just telling you right now. And so you would think, wouldn't you? You are filth. You are the filth of the earth, Stephen Peter Moran. You don't deserve forgiveness. You don't deserve to be made right with God. You are lower than a snake. Wouldn't you think that? I mean, I'm kind of going through that right now. A precious friend of mine. I'm not saying names, but you might have read it in the paper. Her, her elderly father stopped to aid some people that seemed stranded by the side of the road. And they beat him to a pulp, took his car. And all he was doing was offering help. That's all he was doing. And he fought. He fought for months, and, and he passed. And now a couple of them have been charged with capital murder. And I'm going, yes, sir! And I'm not denying the importance of justice. And my friend's abductor, he did receive capital punishment. I'm, this is not an argument whether or not you agree with capital punishment, okay? I'm just telling you. We had that in the state of Texas, and he, he was given the needle. But as humans, I mean, we are all just, no, you don't deserve to go to heaven. Neither do I. It's all about Jesus. Philippians 2.5, let the same attitude and purpose be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Well, that's pretty strong, the same attitude. Who, although he was one with God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped. But he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity. See, Jesus always did it first. He stripped himself, and in a minute you're going to see we're told to strip ourselves of something. He carried, he appeared in human form and abased and humbled himself. Do you understand what that says? It means it was humiliating for him to become a human. And he carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even death on the cross. And therefore, because he still stooped so low to be a human and to become sin. God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow both in heaven and on earth. And every tongue confess, say with me, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now here's our part. Romans 5, 17. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one, Adam, much more Surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with God, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. What does it say to do? Work for it? No, it says receive the free gift. Receive means to take. Lord, I take the free gift. I am right with you. So you get attacked, something happens. You don't expect it. We, the first thing we think should never be, what did I do wrong? Listen, if you did something wrong, you'll know it. No, I'm right with God. I am right with God. I am right with God. I am right with God for one reason and one reason only. Jesus Christ. Because he did it right and he gave me an invitation. Be reconciled to God. Be right with me. And it went further. And then you'll reign as a king in life. 
And it went even further after talking about every provision in Matthew 6, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. The conclusion, verse 33, but seek first of all his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, and then all these things taken together will be given you. So what does he, he say? Don't seek after what you're going to eat. Don't seek after what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Look at the lilies of the field. They didn't do anything to earn it. And yet Solomon in all his glory is not clothed like one of these. Look at the birds of the air. They haven't done anything to get their food and drink, and yet your father knows. Children, this is what I want you to do, the Lord says. Just seek my kingdom and my way of being and doing right. And all these things will be added to you. I don't worry about what I'm going to eat or drink. I don't worry about what I'm going to wear. I decide what I'm going to wear. I mean, don't you? But I don't worry about it. But I seek after his kingdom and his righteousness. How do you do that? I'm going to give you a few short scriptures and then we'll close. Ephesians 4, 22. Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new nature created in God's image. Put it on, strip it off, put it on. Strip off. Look, 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 look. Why did I throw these? Strip it off, just like this. Okay, so here I am. I'm having a bad day. Somebody gave me every reason to be mad, to be offended. Oh, but that's my old nature, walking in offense. That's my old nature. But the Bible says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Oh, no, no, I don't wear this anymore. I'm going to strip it off. This is not my garment. No, 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 no. I'm going to put on my new nature in holiness. I am set apart for the purposes of God. That's how you do it. And therefore, Lord, I refuse to be offended. I refuse to be angry. I refuse to take this on. Lord, I refuse to put on that garment of rejection because that person didn't say hi to me. I refuse to get offended that I didn't get invited to their party. Actually, I'm grateful. <laughs> no, just kidding. I just have a very full life. I refuse, Lord, unrighteous anger. That's my old nature. I just stripped it off. Colossians 3.9, do not lie to one another for you've stripped off the old self with its evil practices and you put on the new nature in holiness and in righteousness. And then it gets even better because Romans 6 tells us what to do. Verse 16 and 19, don't you know that if you continually surrender yourself to anyone to do his will, you're a slave of the one whom you obey. Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience, which leads to righteousness, right doing. What are you surrendering to? Verse 19, I'm speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you yielded your bodily members and faculties, and by the way, your tongue is one of your faculties. Did you know the Bible says in James 3 that if any man can control his tongue, he can control his entire nature. Isn't that cool that that's all we have to focus on? <laughs> refusing to slander, refusing to gossip, refusing to speak lies, refusing to let unbelief come out of your mouth, refusing to let worry thoughts come out of your mouth. You might have them. Don't say them. I'm not saying you don't have it. You might have fear hit you, but don't say it. <laughs> First thing Adam did, I was afraid. Instead of, Lord, I just committed high treason. Please forgive me. No, he just let fear and shame come out of his mouth. I was afraid because I was naked. But what did God do? He took the skins of an animal, soaked in blood, and he clothed him. He clothed him with his linen pure garments. 
as you yielded your bodily members and faculties as a servant to impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness. So now yield your bodily members and faculties as a servant to righteousness, which leads to being set apart. What do you yield to? This is how you walk in your right standing with God and you don't break fellowship. You yield, you surrender. Lord, I feel worry. I feel fear. I feel rejected. I feel ashamed. I feel unrighteously angry. But Lord, I'm not going to yield to it. See, your feelings are not a sin. Your feelings are a thermostat or thermometer. You're the thermostat. Your will is your thermostat. You can set it. But your feelings are your thermometer. It's your check engine light. Okay, daughter, son, something's wrong. Okay, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender to your way of doing right. I, I sur- there are so many times I want to say something and I will just, there'll just be that little quickening. Don't say it. Don't say it. Now, come on, you all know what I'm talking about. And then you have a choice, don't you? You either surrender to what you want to say I had an aunt who actually was the first person to ever tell me about Jesus, but she was young in the Lord. And she would always say, well, I'll just go ahead and do it and God will forgive me. Well, I thought that was cute when I was 19, but it's not cute. That's, that's called willful sinning. In Galatians 5, it was, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, stand fast and do not be hampered and held ensnared and submit again to a yoke of slavery which you have put off. And you know what that yoke of slavery is? That yoke of slavery is trying to earn it. I want to encourage you with all my heart to read Romans 3, Galatians 5. Galatians 5, Romans 3. Read the whole chapters. We don't have time to do that. But it's all about either we are living by the law, by our own works, and we are seeking to be justified by our works. Lord, I've been a good. Why did this happen to me? I've been a good girl. Well, that's why it happened to you. Because the devil doesn't want you to prosper. He wants to shame you and blame you. Without cause, the uh, psalmist said, without cause they've afflicted me. That's kind of sad that an old covenant saint knows more than a new covenant saint. Verse 4, if you seek to be justified and declared righteous and given right standing with God through the law, you are brought to nothing and severed from Christ. You've fallen from grace. Ooh. When it's my works and how good I am and how many good things I do for people, when I think that that makes me right with God, the Bible says I have fallen from grace. God bring this into our hearts. Whatever you yield to will dominate your life. And I had such a works mentality. I believed I had to earn his promises or he would punish me. I still have to renew my mind. I still have to. Maybe you do too. But when you do that, You sabotage yourself, self-sabotage. I'm going to close with John 6, 27, and know this. There's only one thing you have to do. The heart of the Father is to enter his rest. Read Hebrews 4, to enter his rest. That all of his works were accomplished before the foundation of the world. John 6, 27. All the people came to Jesus, they saw all the miracles, and they said, Oh, tell us what we may do to work the works of God. And wouldn't you think that Jesus would say, Believe in faith. you got to rise up in faith. you got to have enough faith. No. In verse 27 of John 6, Stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes when you use it. But strive and work and produce rather for the lasting food which endures unto eternal life. The Son of Man will give you that, for the Father has authorized and certified him and put his seal upon him. So stop toiling. 
Strive to enter only his rest. Renew your mind with the word of God. Know this, that the heart of God for you and for me is that he's our shepherd and will not lack. The heart of God is that he's our healer. I am the Lord, your healer, your physician. The heart of God is I am Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. The heart of God is the Lord is our peace. The heart of God is the Lord is our banner. He's present. The heart of the Father is the Lord is our righteousness. It's not your own. Take off those dark garments. They're not pretty on you. Put on the new self. Recreated in Christ's image. You can if you will. Father, thank you that your word says that you work in us to will after what pleases you. Help us, Lord. Show us how to take the free gift of righteousness. Show us how to take the abundance of undeserved favor. Not because we've earned it, but for your name's sake. Show us, Lord. We don't know how, Lord, but through faith, through believing in you, just the mustard seed, Lord. We can apprehend all that you died to give us. And Holy Spirit, show us how to strip off that works mentality of earning your favor, of being a, a good girl and a good boy, doing enough, being enough, knowing enough, pretty enough, thin enough, smart enough, gifted enough. No, you are enough. El Shaddai, you are the God who is more than enough. That's your heart. Show us how to live in that. Thank you, Father, for this journey. And may it continue all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.